Spring into reading this season with the Biblio Lifestyle 2024 Spring Reading Guide. In this season's guide, I've handpicked 21 of the best new books and I've organized them across six categories. So whether you're looking for a romance novel that will give you a happily ever after, a thrilling mystery to keep you guessing, or an immersive historical fiction book, this guide has a book or three or seven just for you. Now, if 21 books sounds like too much for you, there's a minimalist reads list in the guide, which includes a list of six must-read books from across genres. But wait, that's not all. The spring reading guide also includes fun recipes, spring activities and lifestyle tips. So head on over to springreadingguide.com and download your copy of the guide. That's springreadingguide.com and download your free copy of the 2024 Spring Reading Guide. So download your free copy and discover your next favourite book. Happy reading! Hi there, could you do me a favour really quick? Would you pretty please subscribe to the show, leave me a five star rating if you like it, and share an episode or two with your bookish friends? Better yet, if you could drop a link to the show or to your favourite episode in your book club or bookish group chat, that works too. I promise it only takes a few seconds, it really helps the show, plus I'll be incredibly grateful for it. So thanks in advance and now on to the episode. I'm Victoria from Biblio Lifestyle, and you're listening to the Reader's Couch Podcast, the show that will help you bridge the gap between living a full and busy life to one where you're reading, learning new things, and having fun. In today's episode, I will be sharing three classic novels that are better read in summer. So if you're looking to add some great books to your TBR, stay tuned. Where were you the last weekend of April 2023? Well, I don't know about you, but hundreds of readers and myself had a fantastic three days at the Spring Summer Epigraph Literary Festival. It was really a great time. Oh my gosh. Authors were sharing about their new books. I was laughing so hard during the happy hours and I learned so many new things at our lifestyle-themed sessions. So, if you missed the festival or you want to relive the highlights, visit epigraphlitfest.com and select replays. That's epigraphlitfest.com and select replays. Your TBR will explode, you'll learn a thing or two, and you'll have lots of laughs, especially at those happy hour sessions. So go to epigraphlitfest.com and select replays. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Reader's Couch podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Wood, and in today's episode, I will be sharing three classic novels that are better read in summer. So if you're looking to add some great books to your TBR, this episode is just for you. Now, if you want to add even more books to your TBR, specifically new contemporary books to read this summer, subscribe to the weekly newsletter to get your free copy of the 2023 Summer Reading Guide, the Paperback Guide, and our Beach Reads List, 
all delivered to you over email. So visit bibliolifestyle.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. That's bibliolifestyle.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. But today is all about classics and I'm super excited to share with you three classic novels that are oh so good and are just better read in summer. So are you ready? Let's go! Now the first book on my list is an incredibly popular book and odds are you've already read it and if you haven't read it yet you've probably watched the film adaptation with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. Yes you've guessed it it's The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Now, if you've already read the book, I'm going to make a case for you to re-read it. And if you haven't read it yet, I'm going to tell you why you should add it to your TBR and specifically add it to your summer reading list. Now, in The Great Gatsby, at the heart of the story is Jay Gatsby, a mysterious figure who throws these extravagant parties in his mansion in Long Island. Now, the narrator of the novel is his neighbour, Nick Carraway, and he becomes fascinated with with Gatsby's charm and his charisma and he's drawn into Gatsby's world. Now as a story unfolds we learn more about Gatsby's past, his obsession with Daisy Buchanan, a wealthy socialite who happens to be Nick's cousin and we also get clarity on how Gatsby attained his wealth and social status. But in my opinion, more than the compelling storyline, I think The Great Gatsby is known for just its vivid and evocative writing style. Fitzgerald's use of symbolism, metaphor, imagery is just so masterful. And his descriptions of the characters and the settings really transport readers to a completely different place and time. Now, I truly believe that The Great Gatsby is a must read if you haven't read read it already. But I'm also going to make a case for those readers who've already read the book and I'm going to make a case for you to reread it. Now, I have several editions of The Great Gatsby and I often feel that when it comes to classics, I think that editions really matter. And especially when you're going to reread a book, especially if it's a book you read in your youth and you're considering to reread now in adulthood. When it comes to editions, again, it's very important. You want an edition that's accessible, that has a great introduction that can provide insight for a reader without it being overly academic and dense. And if we're lucky, we'll also get an edition that also includes thought-provoking questions. Now, I recently reread The Great Gatsby, I think about two months ago, and the edition I picked up is the Modern Library edition. So it's the Modern Library, it's from Random House and this is the edition I recently reread and I have about six editions of The Great Gatsby not including this one. Now the reason I'm making a case for this book is number one it's a paperback it has a great cover the price point is low but more importantly I was taken aback by the introduction and the introduction in the modern library edition is by Wesley Morris and on the back it says Wesley Morris is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and critic. Now true story 
when I was deciding to reread The Great Gatsby, I took it up late one evening and I was like, okay, let's dive into it. But before going straight to the novel, I read the introduction. And because I read the introduction, it made me set the book aside and not start it that evening, but instead wait until the following morning. Now, I'm going to read the first paragraph of the introduction so you can understand why. Now, again, this introduction is by Wesley Morris, and this is the first paragraph. Why do we keep reading this book? Why do some of us keep taking or time reading this book? F. Scott Fitzgerald kept it short. A week is unwarranted. It should be consumed in the course of a day, two at most. Otherwise, all the mystery seeps away, leaving J. Gatsby lingering, ethereal but elusive, like cologne someone else is wearing. Okay, that is the first paragraph. The only other thing I'm going to add are the first two sentences of the second paragraph, and they are, I have read this book four times, and only in this most recent time did I choose to attack it in a single sitting. And this is the introduction. That's the first paragraph and the first two lines of the second paragraph. And when I read that, I read the introduction in its entirety, and then I set the book aside and I did not start it again that evening. I waited till the following day. And fortunately for me, that was a Sunday, and I read the entire book in one day, and wow, it was an absolute fever dream of a novel. And yeah, I think it should be read in a day. So I'm making the case for you to reread this book and trusting my judgment, but also the judgment of Wesley Morris, who did the introduction. Another reason why I'm advocating for this edition is because at the end of the book, there is a reader's guide. There's some great questions and topics for discussion there in the back. Um, it also offers point of views of different scholars, lots of people much brighter than me. And, you know, it's going to challenge you to think of Gatsby in a different light. I'm not going to spoil it and tell you what it is. I'm just going to say, if you've read this book already, I challenge you to reread it, reread this edition, read the full introduction by Wesley Morris, and at the end, and read the discussion questions that are in the back. But most importantly, save this one for a day. Maybe you're at the beach, you're at the park, you have a day off, you're on your couch, you're on the sofa, you're in bed. But read this book in one day. That's the challenge. If you're lucky, you can read it in a sitting. It's very possible. This book comes in under 160 pages. It's 158 to be exact. So it's doable. And if you haven't read Gatsby yet, pick up this book. You're already ahead of the game. Read it in one sitting. At the end, read the discussion questions and find someone who's read this book. And if you have this edition and if you've gone through these discussion questions, send me an email. I want to hear from you. I also want to hear from you if you've taken the challenge to read it this summer. So book one on the list is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Okay, book two on the list is a personal favourite. I've read this book twice, I'm do a reread, and it's Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. Now, Giovanni's Room is a captivating novel written by Baldwin that explores the complex themes of identity, love, and societal expectations. Now, this story is set in 1950s Paris, and it revolves around the life of David, a young American man who's struggling to come to terms with his sexuality. Now, David is in 
engaged to a woman named Hella. However, he falls in love with a man named Giovanni. And we see how David finds himself torn between his love for Giovanni and him adhering to societal norms that condemn homosexuality. So we see him struggle with the societal expectations, with his own personal desires, and his fear of societal rejection. Now, along the way, we are also introduced to other characters that are also complex and multifaceted, and we see each of them grappling with their own conflicts and desires, and them living up to society's expectations. Now, I have to say, throughout this novel, Baldwin highlights and balances the societal and cultural pressures that each character faces, and how it makes it difficult for each individual to express their true selves and live their true authentic lives. But honestly, I think the brilliance with this novel is the writing. Baldwin's prose is just so vivid and transportive, and it does a really great job at capturing the emotional turmoil of the characters, and it does so with just great depth and sensitivity. And Baldwin is also able to delve into the psyche of each characters, and he exposes their vulnerabilities and their fears in just such a very beautiful way. Now, as we read this book, you will be transported to 1950s Paris, which was also a time of great societal upheaval and cultural change. And most importantly, we also get to see just the enduring power of love, even in the face of adversity. Now, I think Giovanni's room is incredibly powerful, it's incredibly thought-provoking, and I think it just tackles these universal themes that will never get old. Themes of love, desire, and self-discovery. And it will also challenge you as the reader on your own biases and thoughts. And again, Baldwin is just such a master with prose and, you know, being able to transport you and just exposing the vulnerabilities of his characters. So, I really hope you'll give this book a go. I think it's better read in summer. And that is Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. All right, book three on the list. I think this book is incredibly popular. It's a personal favourite of mine. My nan absolutely loved it. My paternal grandmother, she was an avid reader. That's where my love for reading began with my paternal grandparents, quite honestly. But she absolutely adored Patricia Highsmith, loved this book. And it is The Talented Mr Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. I think this book is incredibly popular. Probably not as popular as Gatsby, of course, but it too had a film adaptation, and this one starred Matt Damon. And while my husband was not a fan of the Gatsby adaptation, we both watched and absolutely loved the talented Mr. Ripley. I think it was a late 90s film, I don't remember, but we watched it, we loved it. Now, The Talented Mr. Ripley is a psychological thriller, psychological thriller suspense novel that really delves into the complex mind of its main character, Tom Ripley. Now, if you are a reader and lover of psychological thrillers, if you haven't read this book, what are you doing? You need to add this book to your reading list and add it this summer because I think it's a book better read in summer. 
Now, the story begins with Tom, Tom Ripley, a young man struggling to find his place in the world. But by happenstance, he's offered a job by a wealthy businessman. And this job is to travel to Italy and persuade the businessman's son to return to the United States. Sounds pretty simple, right? Go to Italy, persuade his son to come back, and you have a big payday. However, when Tom gets to Italy and he meets his son, the charming and privileged Dickie, he becomes infatuated with Dickie's lifestyle and just how carefree he is. He begins to obsess with him and he also finds himself desperate for Dickie's approval. Now, as Tom becomes more and more engrossed and enmeshed in Dickie's lifestyle, one, he forgets the reason why he's there, which is to get Dickie to come back to the United States. But also, as he becomes more entrenched, the lines between reality and fantasy really start to blur. And we see Tom commit a series of atrocious acts, including murder, in order to maintain his connection with Dickie and to maintain maintain this lifestyle he's become so obsessed with. But it gets worse and this leads him down a dangerous and deceptive path as he tries to keep his secret hidden from Dickie's family and friends and loved ones. Now I'm telling you the tension and suspense throughout this novel is just masterful. Patricia Highsmith does an amazing job at creating the unease and the tension throughout and the lies and deception start to snowball and it leads to a suspenseful and dramatic but also memorable conclusion. Again if you're a lover of psychological thrillers, mysteries and suspense you have to read this one. Patricia Highsmith just keeps you on the edge of your seat as you try to navigate Tom's twisted mind and unravel the lies that he spills over time in order to keep all of his misdeeds a secret and as he assumes this identity to live what he considers a charming, easy and privileged life. And I'm telling you that ending oh my gosh, that ending. And this was a book I think was published in the 50s. Don't quote me, I don't remember, and I should have researched this before. But for that time, my gosh, I think, you know, this was just a blueprint of of tightly woven suspense and tightly plotted novel. It's just so well done. She's a master storyteller. You need to add this book to your reading list. Again, I think it's better read in summer, and that is The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Heiss. Smith. Alrighty readers, that's it. Three books, three classics that are better read in summer. Book one is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Book two, Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. And book three, The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. I hope you discovered some new books today or you were reminded of books that you've been meaning to read for some time now of these three classic novels that I truly believe are better read in summer. As a reminder, if you're looking for new and contemporary books to read this summer, subscribe to the weekly newsletter to get your free copy of the 2023 Summer Reading Guide, the Paperback Guide and the Beach Reads List. So visit bibliolifestyle.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. That's bibliolifestyle.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. 
Alrighty readers, that's all for now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to the Reader's Couch podcast. Please subscribe to the show, share it with a friend, and take a few seconds to leave a rating and review. Until next time, stay lounging, stay reading, and whenever you're in doubt, go straight to your local bookstore or library. Thanks again for listening, and happy reading.